You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the lore edition, a podcast devoted to story-driven games. Here's your host, Joe. Everybody and welcome to Bow Down to Us Lore Edition, episode fifty-nine. My name's Joe, and with me, as always, is Roger, the angry French Canadian of Doom, and Vince, our Floridian comic geek. How you guys doing today? I'm not angry. I'm quite happy today. I dance yeah, with Bob geek. the Beggar. I'm I'm, I'm happy. a nerd. <laughs> There's a, a distinction. Massive, a massive yeah, nerd. A massive nerd. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's, yeah, never mind. Uh, so uh, we've had some exciting news here for an IP that, well, potentially exciting news for an IP that we've long since given up on. Uh, Star Trek Online is going to allow player-made missions to be incorporated uh, into their gameplay. Now, they did do this with City of Heroes, and they called it The Architect. Uh, it allowed players to create massive sweeping story arcs, comic book style, um, with villains and plots and drops and things like that. They're giving that same sort of potential to Star Trek Online. Now, this seems to me like a uh, sort of half-assed way to try to make up for the lack of content that's currently there, uh, but it is giving players an interesting opportunity. There are a lot of Star Trek fiction floating around the internet, and oh, no. I'm certain some of them will be loving to put this into the game in some way, shape, or form, whether it involves Tribbles going in different places that they shouldn't go or you know, a bromance between Worf and Data. You never know. But I think it's kind of interesting that they're going to be adding this into the, into the Star Trek Online because it could help solve a few things. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, the difference is people were actually playing City of Heroes. <laughs> you actually need people to make the content. I, I think that there's enough people playing right now that, and especially the the Star Trek fans, aren't afraid of writing fiction for the game. And so I think that this will provide enough content and it is a cheat so that cryptic doesn't have to be the one to create all of it they can allow the user base to do it for them that being said if it's well done it can pump a lot of life into this ip a lot of life into this ip my question is will this be enough to draw players back into the game when city of heroes introduced the architect system it was very much to bring people back into the game it was at a point where they were starving for content um, players had beaten all available content um, basically into the ground and were kind of getting bored and they threw it in and it, it really saved the ip I mean, that's that's really when people started getting well i i can actually make missions i i can control arch villains awesome you know so there's that certain i don't want to say desperation in it but i know that was the original intent behind it when it first was developed for city heroes and yes it worked for a while if, i think that if if they follow the same way as champions online and make this a free to play with the pay bonuses and whatnot and this this will get people back. This can save this game as long as they go free to play. Because in and of itself, it's not enough to bring most people back, especially those who are disappointed with the combat that's in the game and the limitations and different things like that, and especially the, uh, the away missions. But if they can get enough very creative people putting out a lot of very good levels and it's free to play... I think they can actually save this game. Vince? Uh, I, there's not really much to say about it, it until we actually see how it works out and, you know, really just what kind of tools they're going to put into the developers' hands because, like, like you said, Star Trek fans, they have some interesting imaginations. <laughs> and, but that's and, not a bad thing. No, not at all. But you're going to need a very robust set of development tools to really get a lot of those ideas across. Like At least with City of Heroes... 
there's a lot less going on. You, you don't have spaceships and planets and space stations and all the stuff that they kind of have to work out. So if if there is a robust enough set of tools, I think it can work well. But if that that's a big if for me, at least. See, I see this and, and I, unfortunately, like I, I like Star Trek. I do. And I enjoy watching the movies, but I'm not a huge I'm not a Trekkie. So I don't know all of the lore. I don't know all of the characters and all that kind of stuff. So this would not be enough to draw me in to create content for it. However, if it was free to play, it would draw me in to play some of the better um, user-created content. So let's just say, again, Joe's playing it, gets a, a line on a fantastic mission and says, dude, you have to check this out. I would definitely pop in to play it, not because I, I want to gain levels on my, uh, my my character, not because I care about the drops to improve my ship and all that, because I've all but given up on that, but because I want to play this awesome content. So again, in that regard, I think it could work. And again, if it's if there is enough good content that's out there and it's free to play, at that point, when I go in and when they have sales on their costumes or whatever, I'm more likely to say, yeah, you know what? I've actually been getting my money's worth out of these missions. I've been having fun. Sure, I'll pay six bucks and get this costume for my dudes. I don't mind. And that's what a lot of people do. And I think that, again, I think that we're we're going to see that. I, it's It's... It's pretty much a foregone conclusion, seeing as how Champions Online is going that route. I can see these guys doing that easily. It's a good way to save your business, <laughs> especially when it's <laughs> when it's tanking with something that was, well, very highly regarded and then failed. So moving along from all things Star Trek and nerdy, let's go on to a game that Roger absolutely loved uh, that is going to be coming out in novel format. The original Uncharted uh, <laughs> novel is in the works from Delray Books. So there's a question asked, would the action-packed plotline of the Uncharted series be quite as thrilling uh, yes. so much of the, act yes. the, the interactivity? Yes. Roger, I'll yes. let you take it. Of this course, away. yes. I mean, please, when you're looking at the Arthas novel that we just read that is packed full of action at different points, you are feeling that action. Anybody who reads a novel that has any kind of action scene in it that doesn't feel that same tightening in their heart is either does not appreciate literature, does not have a good imagination, or the novel was not well written. And that's what's going to define this. They have to have a very good writer. They have to be able to, to get it on paper really good so that you can appreciate what the character is going through it they i mean again you can be as enticed by action in a novel as you can in a movie point blank now this is something that we know they are talking about movies as well for this and i'm hoping that nathan fillion gets the role come on really captain mal yeah. it's gotta be him they've gotta get him but anyways no i'm really excited i think it's a fantastic ip i think the characters are really really strong in uncharted all of the characters that we've seen are are so well written already so basically you're you're working in an established world with established characters that are powerful that are already loved by people because i mean really so far, anybody who's played any of the Arch, uh, the Uncharted games loves Nathan. They, we already love the character. He's uh, the wise-ass archaeologist a la, you know, Indiana Jones. So we like that already. And so it, it really would not be hard to make a fantastic novel out of this. One thing that interests me is the uh, sort of the subject matter. Um, the book title is Uncharted, The Fourth Labyrinth. Uh, in which Nathan Drake will embark on an all-new action-packed adventure in search of a secret that will put him on the trail of the legendary Labyrinth of Daedalus and take him from the ruins mm. of Crete to a secret crypt deep in the heart of China. So, okay, anybody who's not up on their Greek lore, uh, the Labyrinth of Daedalus is the labyrinth where the Minotaur sat. It was his creation. It was his prison. It was his penance. It was sort of this all-encompassing thing that took on a life of its own. Um, it's kind of an important figure in Greek mythology. And to have something like that be sought after, which archaeologists and historians have been looking for uh, a potential place that, that, that would be the inspiration of such a mytho mythological tale, 
and they haven't been able to find, it kind of fits. You know what I mean? And it, it seems like a really exciting adventure. It's not a crystal fucking skull. It's I'm going after this epic, legendary, mythical place that's supposed to be magical and filled with fucking awesomeness. Well, it's the and Ark of the Covenant. I it's, mean, the, it's, it's, it's the Ark of the Covenant, but for Nathan Drake. Exactly. That's the point right there. It is as epic in scope as the Ark of the Covenant, but something that fits with this character and this IP. Now, and, and this is coming from somebody that I haven't played these games more than maybe a few scattered minutes here and there as much as I would love to. But now Tart's here so I can steal her near PlayStation. Um, but I'm looking forward to this book. I really, really am because it's got everything. It's got your 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 wisecracking, smart mouth, intelligent action hero that's a nerd. He's a nerd. Let, I mean, let's face it. He's an archaeologist adventure. He's a nerd. He's a nerd with a gun. And the female characters are equally strong as well, if not more so, actually. The, the females in Uncharted are stronger characters than he is. And so, again, depending on who they bring back for that, or if they introduce someone new, I've no doubt it will be a female character that will be as strong as what we saw in the first two games. And that says a lot because you need somebody that is very, very strong to offset him and they pulled it off so well in both games that again as long as the writer doesn't screw it up they'll be able to do the same thing in this Vince yeah I mean from play, from playing Uncharted I still haven't played Uncharted 2 but I gotta say I, I, I was really impressed with just how good of a character Nathan Drake was I, I, I wasn't expecting much going in other than you know a fun game and I was really surprised with the, the amount of depth there was there and you're right it, you, it, it's really hard to screw up a book like this so don't screw it up. <laughs> I think it'll be a lot more interesting, too, if they do a lot more backstory, not just on him, but on his family as well, because you get tastes, glimpses of that in the games. Um, some of it far stronger than that, just that, though. But I think that if they do a lot more of that in the book through flashbacks or through whatever and actually get into his head as to his relationship with those those key people in his past, I think that would be awesome. I completely concur. Now, going from one level of awesome to a whole nother level of awesome, let's talk about Star Wars The Old Republic with some new Imperial agent info that's been released. Vince, would you like to take this over? Yeah, sure. So uh, we, we talked previously about how some of the information from the advanced classes was starting to get out there. So what we got this week was confirmation and expansion upon the advanced classes for the Imperial agent as both the sniper and the operative. Uh, sniper is exactly what you would expect. It's a friggin' sniper sitting back, just dealing damage and being cool at the same time the enemy never really knows you're there until it's too late and then of course you have the operative which i gotta say now that i'm looking at it is a lot cooler than i had initially thought uh you know all about stealth and close range combat and but what i find really cool is the way they're handling the healing they've got this cool little mag like robot hovering around with them that yes. that looks like that Good looks reference. like it does all these cool status spells and stuff. And if you look in the uh, animations they have on the website, there it is. Good job, Roger. And if you ha look at the animations, you'll see the little mag flies by and heals them. Boom. Just like that. Awesome. So cool stuff there. But we also got some nice expansion of the lore as well. First of all, the Imperial Operatives primary companion in this woman, Kalio whatever her name is, Kalia. <laughs> <laughs> and she's an interesting character, sort of uh, tied in with the underworld elements that the Imperial agent is probably going to be dealing with uh, in one way or another. And just, just while she's not as awesome as the Wookiee, because let's face it, nothing will ever be as awesome as a Wookiee, she is a very interesting character in her own right and could lead to some very interesting story interactions while you're going around playing the game because she is this kind of unknown she 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 deals her whole life with the underworld she's kind of shady she's willing to get up and get her hands dirty but she's also willing to go other ways to get her sources of information i thought it was pretty cool and before we move on to the others uh anything you guys had to add there no keep going well oh, okay then okay well, well roger roger does no no that's all right there that's all right keep going okay and then in addition to all that 
the Imperial agent has probably the coolest freaking spaceship I've ever seen. That that thing is just a sexy thing to look at. I, I want one. The, the starship <laughs> alone almost sells me on the Imperial agent. I'm, I'm actually every time they release something like this, I'm very impressed with the depth that they're putting behind it. Um, I am always excited to see an expansion of the lore, an expansion of the character classes, a defining of the classes before the game has been out for several years. Um, yeah, but are they going back too far? That's something that I've been reading as well online that people have been saying, okay, we, we're getting tons of information. However, the game is still so far away right now. Are Did they start trickling information in too early? I don't think so. I think they're personally, I think they're doing it right. I think they're setting the framework for the game's release so that people don't have to spend a ton of time catching up to the current point to know what's going on outside of the world. Because, I mean, that's one of the biggest problems a lot of games have is when your player jumps in and they have no knowledge of what's happening beforehand, sometimes it can be hard to work in that catch-up moment without it being uh, like a total Scooby-Doo type moment, you know, like where it's, it, you know, let here's this innocuous clue that we remember from the beginning. Oh, it means this. And they like there's this whole big catch-up sequence. Here it's everything's being laid out ahead of time, so it'll allow players that have been following it uh, basically an ease into the game where they don't have to worry about, you know, anything more than what's happening right now. Don't forget, this is a galaxy at war at this point, right? So that's awesome. And it also gives the player, the people that don't really have the, the haven't been following it, a one central location where they can kind of catch up on their own free will whenever they feel like it. They don't, they're not forced to do, a, a quest that's not really exciting just to get some tidbit of lore to explain why the Imperial agent does what he does. Instead, the information's here, you know, it's released as its own standalone little snippet. And, and the day and age where most people have internet or internet capable phones, that's not a bad thing. You can never have too much information in my opinion. And I think they're doing it right. They're releasing it in small bite sized chunks that are our little breadcrumb tra bread trail that will lead to the actual release of this game. And each little tidbit gets me more excited. Oh, I'm not saying it's not getting me excited. This is fantastic. And like Vince said to that starship, dude, oh my God, <laughs> that thing is amazing. <laughs> I was just yeah, happy with the, the, the freaking PlayStation, the, the uh, Fantasy Star Online mag. That was awesome. Yeah, that, I, was, I saw that thing there. I was like, is that just in the frame or is it? Nope, that's actually doing something. <laughs> yeah. But in addition to just the awesomeness of the Imperial agent, which is pretty awesome in their own rights, they're talking about how they're basically the highest rank that someone can achieve without actually being a Sith within the Empire. We got some information on a new race that they're talking about and a really cool race in and of itself in the Chiss. And they go into this whole lore story about how when the Empire comes across a, a new planet and a new race, they basically just steamroll over them and, you know, uh, surrender. No, fine, die. And that's how they, they expand the Empire. But they came across the Chiss and like surrender. Like, let's talk. And how the Chiss basically negotiated this treaty with the Sith Empire. Un unheard of in the history of the universe that the Sith actually reached an agreement with someone. And it's just really cool seeing how they, they've retained their autonomy existing alongside the Sith instead of being part of the Sith. I think it's just a nice little twist that I really wasn't expecting from the Empire side of the story. Roger? No, not much to add. Uh, again, it's, it's news that I know that like I think that they did give us too much information, or not too much, but they started too early. But that's not to say that whenever we get information like this, that it's not interesting. And it's gotten to the point where even something like this, every little bit of a new race information is enough to get me excited for the game. And I have to remind myself that we're still <laughs> looking at months down the line, potentially longer than that. Uh, but no, like something like that, from a lore perspective, Especially if you plan on RPing your character, which a lot of people will because there's some freaking Star Wars nuts out there uh, that are going to want to RP whatever character they do. So when you're giving them a race like this that has a phenomenal backstory, depending on what classes they allow them to be. Yeah, man, you can have a ton of fun with that. 
I gotta say, like of all the the Star Wars stuff we've we've talked about, like obviously the class stuff has been awesome. The companions have been pretty cool. I haven't really cared a bit about the various races. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, it didn't interest me as much as the characters and the classes themselves. This is the first race that really jumped up and grabbed me and went, this is really freaking cool and a really original concept uh, in in at least what I'm familiar with with the Star Wars lore. See, I like the tentacle head people. I like those, and I like the oh, backstory. I like the backstory with it in terms of certain classes, especially. I think that they're pretty much made to play specific classes, like a smuggler. So I, I'm able to appreciate that race class combinations for certain ones, in terms of lore and RPing. Like, there's potential there for damn sure. Oh, there's definitely a ton of potential there. And I like whenever they do stuff, like you said, I like when they add information about races and things like that, not just classes. It gives you uh, a sense that they actually care about crafting a solid world or universe in this case. And that's very exciting for me to see. Yeah. All right. So moving on from there, we're going to talk a little bit more about World of Warcraft. In particular, some things that are coming with Cataclysm. First things first, we're going to talk about Wildhammer Fact Checker, otherwise known as Red Shirt Guy. Um, He's awesome. Yeah. He's my hero now. <laughs> Anybody that can make Metzen go, uh, 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 Dude, not just, win. not just Metzen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the entire panel is like, oh, crap. Did, did, yeah. did, did we really, did he, did this kid just, oh, man. For, for those of School. you, for those of you who have missed it, um, basically, the, the 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 red shirt guy gets up to the mic during the open Q and A, um, and the kid explain. He asks where Falstad is. He's like, "Where's Falstad? Why is he, he in the in the shattering?" It says that Falstad is one of the the three hammers named to rule on the council in Ironforge. Okay, um, they look at each other. He's like. Isn't isn't he? And they, they said to the kid, isn't, yeah. isn't he dead? And he's like, <laughs> no, he's he's been chilling in Outland. <laughs> and so they're like, wow, we should. We, they, 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 and they literally we'll they fix hands, that. Hold on. They put their they put their hands <laughs> on the yep. mic. They, they lean into each other and they start talking back and forth. And they're like, we'll we'll fix that. So <laughs> they released this image um, and it was them that released this image because it wasn't on the beta. It wasn't on the PTR. I checked both. Um, and they released this image of Falsed Wildhammer, the Wildhammer clan representative, and Wildhammer fact checker, a tiny sprite of a dwarf with a fiery beard, a elemental shaman. And a red and shirt. A red shirt <laughs> and a elemental shaman kilt. And he's immortalized in game. Now, I'll tell you, this kid got such a big standing ovation when he put the devs in their place. It was ridiculous. And now you got to understand up to this point, the devs are being super snarky. Um, they were given a lot of really weird answers. Like if they didn't have an answer, they were being like kind of condescending, which was entertaining to me because I'm a callous prick and I love it. But this kid gets up there and they could not say anything to this kid because he had them dead to rights and they fix it. They absolutely fix it. Well, not just that, but when he was talking, I'll actually put the link in the show notes for folks to watch. Um, First of all, this guy goes up there and he is not being insulting nope. at all. He's not being snarky. He's not acting like he nope, knows more than them. Just the guy. When you, yeah, he's just the guy who went up. When he's speaking, you can tell that he speaks in a, they're saying a robotic kind of, his voice is stuttered, not stuttered, but um, he's very nervous and all that. But he winds up, he actually made another video explaining that he suffers from Asperger syndrome. Um, he didn't put it as an apology he just said this is who i am and that's it and which is admirable in and of itself right there so but he went up and he just explained listen i just finished reading um the shattering, the shattering and which again is whenever anybody is making fun of him what kills me is that i want to ask okay how many hours do you spend playing games okay now how many hours do you spend reading <laughs> this guy read the book not only did he read he the attention. book he paid attention he remembered the freaking names he remembered everything and he's cross-referencing it from the prior books because that's what he went back to with them when they said isn't he dead and he says no in what was the name of the day see, of the dragon i can't even remember day of the dragon day of the dragon he said, and no, and day into the dragon, blah, blah, blah. And he rattles off everything that's going on. So it's like, this dude knows his freaking, we need to hire this dude. <laughs> I want him writing for the freaking site. And so 
so yeah, and again, when they said, yeah, we'll fix this, he just said thanks and walked yep. away. And it wasn't about showing them up. Oh, it was just about, it was an honest you question. guys made a mistake. Can you guys fix this? <laughs> and as a show of good faith, I really was impressed with Blizzard doing this, that, you know, it's that take a big old hunkin' chunk of humble pie here and swallow it down. And they've got the, the fact checker in his red shirt beside Falstad. I just think that's phenomenal. And, you know, so, it's it's not it's not often that Blizzard eats some humble pie, but when they do, they do it well. Yeah, it, it's so nice to see that the Blizzard we we've all loved for so many years, and their just totally off kilter sense of humor is still around. You know, we we we've given them a lot of crap over the years with them getting so big, and you know, the, the, the Sparkle Ponies and all that crap. But at the core, they're still the same bunch of fun loving guys that made all the games we grew up with. Absolutely. And continuing on with our discussion of Blizzard and, of course, the wonderful Cataclysm that is coming, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Cataclysm World event that's starting to really ramp up. Uh, we talked about this a little bit in our games episode number 13, so feel free to, to download that and take a listen. Um, but the world is starting to shake violently, more frequently and more violently than it has previously. Earthquakes are starting to happen all over the place and People are preparing. Stormwind is trying to lay down sandbags. The Iron Forge are trying to prepare for huge lightning storms that are coming through. Thunderbluff is waiting for these giant winds to come and sweep through. And Iron and and, and uh, God, I can't think today. Fuck. Oh, um, Agrimar. There you go. Uh, and Agrimar is is laying down spike strips, waiting for this in, huge invasion in, in, in trying to prepare for what's about to happen. And we're starting to see elemental cults popping up, talking about the end of the world. The world is ending. Rejoice in oblivion. Accept your fate. And you see people start to panic and you start to see elementals pop out of nowhere. And this is this big, massive event that's happening. And it's all part of the story that leads up to cataclysm but it also is rooted in the history of warcraft now i'll let roger talk first because he's actually gone through the quests so i'd like to hear what he has to say about it roger the before i get into the quests um when you're talking about that things are starting to happen around the world as well we're now seeing elementals cropping up around the world now if you've read the book i'm not that far into the shattering yet but i'm at the point where okay yeah this is i can see this coming along and i'm assuming you're probably a little further than i oh, am into it so, okay so then yeah i'm i'm I, i'm seeing how this is all going to work in plus having heard from the beta as well as from uh, their plans for the story and whatnot leading up to cataclysm this is this is the tip of the iceberg but it's just interesting enough to make you really have a lot of fun with this old world to the point where i actually took my character my 80 flew him to west westfall because people were talking in chat saying dude there's freaking fire elementals all over westfall what the hell's going on and sure enough i fly out there and i start riding around and there's fire elementals ripping around in different zones now i don't know how it's set up yet because i, I basically i just kind of ran around um but anytime I got near them, they disappeared. So I don't know if that's a mechanic in the game right now or if it's because of a level disparity because I'm so high level. I don't know what it is. But whenever I'd get close to a pack, they would disappear as I got right near them. But it was still cool. Again, you're riding around Westfall of all places, which Westfall for me is when the game kind of starts because those early levels I have no patience for. But Westfall, I start to have fun because that's when you start getting in with some of the first kind of groups of it's not factions per se but when you're going up and you're doing all of those initial quests leading up to um the dead mines and, do, and killing van cleef so i really have fun with that zone and i inevitably take any character i level there so when i'm riding around there now and i'm seeing these fire elementals popping up all over the place it's it's fun it's a lot of fun now the actual quests for um uh, now i only did stormwind i only did the alliance because my horde account is dormant right now i've only got my alliance account active so i went to stormwind and right by the bank i've actually got a screenshot for the folks in the audience and i'll put up various ones as i'm talking here um right by the bank you're going to see arunak stone speaker and remember the name it'll be important dude, later okay i will i will then um 
so he gives you information about what is going on right now and saying, listen, we know that there's something bigger going on because of the earthquakes and whatnot. So I'd like you to go and talk to Gavin Greyfeather too. And he's in the Stormwind Keep to get some information. And he is, Gavin is coordinating some efforts to figure out what's going on. So from there you take off and you go to Stormwind Keep and you're going to find Gavin um, uh, Greyfeather. A dwarf shaman. Now, uh, yes, yeah, he's right outside of the area where King Varian is meeting with all of the faction leaders. So you go over and you speak to him and he tells you that I actually grabbed a quest beforehand from Captain Anton because you're going to be dealing with him quite a bit and he is on the way to speak to um, to uh, what's his face. So you you speak to him and he's telling you, yeah, there's a lot going on here. You're going to have to deal with the, the elementals, but there's more going on right now in terms of public perception and also people who are trying to cultivate fear. Remember that too, cult, because you're going to see some of that, um, who are cultivating fear right now with the population of Stormwind. So you are then talking to Captain Anton. See, I've got the actually quest here from Gavin Greyfeather. But you are going to be talking to uh, Captain Anton quite a bit going back and forth. And he gets you essentially to check on the naysayers around Old Town. If you've never spent much time in Old Town because you don't PvP and you don't go to get your your, your drinkings and stuff from there, you're going to be all over Old Town with this because there's a lot of stuff going on there. So you got to go and investigate what's going on and you're going to see groups around and it's the the end is near mentality that you're going to see a lot of from all of these people so you gather some scrolls from each of the uh, the little groups and you bring them back to anton and he's saying okay well we obviously need to do more about this and he has you putting up posters to fight well, not to fight, but to put out the information so that the public is aware that we're dealing with something much more serious here than what we thought. So you go and you put the posters out for the um, the saying, listen, there's, there's cult activities going on. And it actually gets you to then go and investigate an actual cult that is starting up just outside of Stormwind. So you head over outside of Stormwind and there is the cult that is starting up. You have to actually steal a cult costume from the uh, a crate that is by one of the uh, the speakers, or you can actually speak to the speaker and get it. And it is a sexy recruit robe, which not so sexy on the male Drenai. <laughs> I've heard sexier on other female characters, not so sexy on my dude, okay? I've got the screenshot shot up for folks to see. Um, and my really terrible gear score as well. You can investigate that while you're at it. But anyway, so once you've got your, your your outfit, then you can blend into the cult. So then you head outside of town, you go and you check out the cult, and they have you doing various things as well. You're going to, um, as part of the quest for the captain as well, you're going to talk to people who have been taken, quote unquote, from town, and you find out that no, they didn't disappear or were taken. They chose to join the cult because the end is near. So you go and you do some menial tasks for... The the cult involving as well putting on a placard on your chest and back essentially saying the end is near i gotta find a screenshot of this because it's absolutely hilarious it made me it made me think of uh the the what is it uh die hard three yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Exactly. So you got to go and you have to um, go to various sections for level anybody with a fast mount. This is easy. You're, you're going to be kind of running around pretty fast and uh, they made sure that the zones aren't too far apart. There's the picture there. If you want to see what the placard looks like, you're not going to be spending too much time having to bounce between sections, which I've always hated. I don't want to waste my time flying from one zone to the other. I want everything to be right here. And they did that and they did it very well um once you're done with these quests and you essentially eventually essentially eventually eventually wow. go to the shut up you've done worse my friend that's why i take such <laughs> joy when you guys screw up uh, 
eventually you make your way to King Varian and you give him the information of what's going on with the, the cult. And it basically stops there. From there, you then start the actual events. Unfortunately, an event did not start while I was online, which was for quite a while. So I missed out, but I will be trying again um, over the next few days because I definitely want to see this. The thing with the event, as with all events, is that nothing gets the population of a server excited like a world event. We've seen all of the holiday events over and over and over again, and we're kind of tired of them. People still flock to them, but it's not the same kind of fervor. Fervor. That is exactly the word I was going to use. It was, it's you, you bounce in game. And the moment that the information came up on wow insider saying we got world events, everybody was in there and I bounced in and there's people everywhere. And when you're doing these quests, because it's again, you're riding along with your little placard or you're doing this and that everybody's doing it at the same time. So everybody's on their mounts running around in groups and doing it and chatting at the same time. Granted, some of the chatter sometimes is not quite appropriate, but for the most part, people are having fun. And that's what it was. It's a world event that's fun that everybody had not done before. So basically, here's something way cool that you can do that is leading up to something much, much larger. And here's the last part of the quest here I've got on the screen for the folks in the audience. And it is when you are turning it into Warren King uh, rain about what is going on. So again, very, very cool event. In terms of how long it takes, depending on how fast you are and if you're actually reading through everything, you're still looking at a good little while. You're looking at an hour or so to get through everything and, and again, have fun with it. I, I really enjoyed it. One of the important things I want to note here, and you, you hit it a little bit, I was wanted to talk about it, is the world events that we've had so far. Okay, the very first super large world event we had was what? AQ, uh, right? Okay. Oh, yeah, right. We had yeah. this huge war effort where people were, you know, gathering supplies and bringing them like odd shit, like, you know, fish in like milk and crap and bringing it to turn in. Oh, and oh, we didn't clean up to the cloth and stuff turns. like that. But it was all in this yeah. war effort to get your faction ahead of the other faction. And it was this big event that got everybody from every faction, from every guild involved in it and there was a sort of excitement because nobody knew how this was going to really pay off now then people started getting the scepter quests and you start getting these these little things to go into different zones and different raids to get different items to continue on the story to eventually get a scepter that is a huge lore piece it is essentially the key to something that was locked away for so long and when the gong is finally wrong the entire world explodes into chaos not just one tiny area the entire world and that was our first glimpse at a world event also in classic wow which by the way the devs call it classic wow not vanilla wow um in classic wow we had a second event which was the scourge invasion the which coming, i loved the coming of max ramus stones peak, peak like randomly dropping down to the ground undead rising demons coming out of nowhere hunters loved it because the hunter quest demons spawned every 40 minutes instead of every four hours um yeah, this huge, massive, world-encompassing event. But from that point, when did we have another one? We haven't. We haven't really had this big, grand it is world a scourge event, event again. We, we, did, well, <laughs> we were not even going to bother with that one because that doesn't count. <laughs> but we had this huge, sweeping events that, that in Classic WoW completely shook an entire world that were unheard of at this time that were so ground, you know, breaking, so earth shattering in eh? um, what they did that it was permanently put into our brains. Now we have a buildup to another one of those events, right? Deathwing is not just some pussy. He's not just some guy floating around in a citadel. He's not some, you know, God-ish thing locked away in a city. You know, he is an aspect. He is one of the primal forces that hold Azeroth together. OK, he is still the earth warder. He is well, he's in the aspect of death, but he is still tied to the entirety of earth. Everything he does, every pain he feels, all of his psychosis, his rage bleeds from him into the world. This is important to note. Why? Because these cultists that are starting to pop up, they're his. They're his agents going into the world. These are the people that are hammering these 
armor plates onto him. These are the people that are getting him prepared to go out into the world. These are the people that have gone into deep home in order to prepare him for battle, not against just, you know, puny mortals and champions, but against his family, the other dragon aspects. Huge and epic, right? Every time he shudders, the world shakes. Every time he bellows in rage, the the elementals feel that fury. They feel that pain. This is driving them absolutely crazy. And don't forget, Deathwing wants to release the elements back into the world. Why? Because they're his nice little minions that fought against the Titans. He wants to destroy everything. And what better way to do that than to take people that have been in prison for a very long time and say, hey, Ragnaros, what are you doing? You, you want to go back to Azeroth? You want Hygel? Go burn it to the ground. Have fun. Oh, you see you see Scenarius there? Smack the taste out of his mouth. Go, go. Have fun. So I think that's kind of awesome to see the sort of epic character uh, that was driven mad by old gods, that was driven to the point of actual insanity and treacherousness just like Sargeras, you know, it was driven to this point where he wants to destroy and eradicate all life is starting to have these effects come out, you know, and the elementals are starting to, to, to find their cracks in the world to break in. The cultists are starting to gather people to them because the more followers you have, the easier it is for you to to circumvent it, the more power you have, because the more people believe in your cause, the more people you can brainwash, the easier shit's for you to do. So this is kind of this huge, huge ramp up. And this event is so epic that I, I'm foaming at the mouth for more. I cannot wait for Deathwing to break into the world and I will seriously follow that that model around just to see what he chars, what NPCs he kills, and when he kills them. And this is all lead up to that. The thing with the cult too, like you were saying about they are his followers, the thing that I found interesting is that when you first start off the chain of quests, it's you don't know that initially. And so it's just these doomsayers that the end is near. The world is going to 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 end. And when I started off the quest and all that, I was thinking, well, they're right. <laughs> it is. I've seen the future, brother. I've seen the trailer. <laughs> you guys are in trouble. OK, <laughs> really grab a shovel and a tent and take off for the mountains now. But then then you start finding out that, oh, hold on a second. Yeah, no, they are. They're working for for Deathwing. And when you're seeing the visions of those bosses later that come up and they're saying yes and they're they're referring to them as the followers and that you'll all be cared for and whatnot later on kind of thing it's like okay this is a lot deeper than i thought it was on the surface and well done i love this stuff i absolutely adore it and it really is that ramp up it's that that sort of grand scale lead up i mean we're talking about a world that is literally coming apart we're talking about a world that is seeing so much pain and suffering that thrall has left to basically or is leaving at this point to go find out what happened in outland to try to mend his world we're talking about elementals that are running amok in agramar burning down buildings that are no longer responsive to shaman pleading and also this is very important to me as a as a, as a shaman character it, it's sort of awesome because this is the shaman expansion all of this is this buildup to them coming into their own light. Okay, we had we had classic WoW, which Paladins shine. That was their story, right? That was what set in the motion. They were the big wigs. Uh, then we had Burning Crusade, which was just a clusterfuck of blood elves. Uh, and then we had Wrath, which is where the conclusion of the Paladin story happened. Now we're talking about Shaman uh, coming in to fight basically against something that wants to destroy not just you know, the elements and bend them to their will, but to destroy life, to destroy a planet, to destroy something that they are in, intrinsically attached to. And that's sort of awesome too, because now you're starting to see it. You're starting to see the, you know, the Wildhammer clan has been so out of it. They, they've refused to get involved in dwarven politics or any politics at all at this point, but the world is crying and their shamans are like, fuck this, we got to get involved. We have no choice at this point. So they're being brought in that way. You know, you start to see all these different little, these factions perk up and start getting involved. And that's also important because this explains a lot of why the world is sort of like it is. You know what I mean? You get this sort of how these, these factions are starting to come back together. You see how these divisions are starting to happen. I love it. Now, 
kind of a, a lore aspect here that I want to touch on real quick here. And uh, there was sort of a uh, uh, Daniel was asking about this. He is still the aspect of Earth, just like Malagos, even though he was crazy, was still the aspect of magic. Now that Malagos has died, and this is information that we got from BlizzCon, in case you missed it, we have confirmation that Calagos is going to step into the role of Malagos, right? But he couldn't do that until Malagos either relinquished the power or was killed. So we killed him. Now Calagos gets to take over that aspect and gets to fill into that role, right? So Deathwing, the Deathbringer, the aspect of death, but still the Earth Warder, right? What's going to happen there? It has to pass on to another black dragon, right? Are there any good black dragons? Do we know? Do we know what's going to happen to that? We don't. And it's kind of this interesting thing because we heard the stories of the old gods, right? And killing the old gods was bad. So the Titans imprisoned them. The old gods, if they died, Azeroth would die. Well, what happens if the the person that's actually tied to the, the physical form of the world, uh, basically the elemental divisions and everything else dies. What happens then? We know we're going to fight him. We know we're going to have to fight him. We know we're going to have to kill him. And that's kind of awesome because we're starting to get all this information <laughs> and we're starting to get all this flooding in from these, these, these ramp up quests. And I love it. Sorry. I nerd nerded out there. For yeah, you, you okay there, Roger? <laughs> no, sorry. I'm just giggling from our chat. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Were you saying something, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> Joe sorry, Joe. We tuned out there That's for fine. a while. That's fine. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> That's, but yes, I already said everything I had to. I actually put the image on the uh, the screen here again for the folks in the audience here. So we've got the image of uh, Chogal, who is talking to the for lack of a better term, congregation of people who come up before him. And he's talking about how once the, um, once everything goes through, essentially your immortality is, uh, is sealed essentially. So yeah, it was very interesting to, to see the progression in these initial quests. And it was enough that it really got me excited when I started reading more about what is going to be happening with those dungeon events, wherein the bosses are coming to help you. And, and that is big from a lore perspective. If you're just playing the game and you don't care about the lore, then you're playing, you're playing the wrong game, but then it doesn't really matter as much. But if 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 any of the dungeons wherein you're fighting with Jaina Proudmore actually gets your blood going and you have fun with it, this is the same kind of thing, only it's leading up to something monstrous. I mean, yes, the Arthas expansion and everything is very big. However, it cannot begin to compare to Deathwing shattering the planet. So the lead up for this has got to be big. So starting a month ahead of time shows that, wow, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up here, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, that. Just if I can actually talk for once. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry. Yeah, th th that's what I love about Cataclysm. That's why Cataclysm has really reinvigorated my interest in World of Warcraft, because a classic WoW was so much fun. There was so much to love there. Burning Crusade. It's vanilla. Vanilla. <laughs> don't don't let them change your opinion just because Metzen said it's classic. It's vanilla. So Burning Crusade, it just it it still to this day it just feels tacked on it was just tying up loose ends like it didn't interest me that much and then by wrath of the lich king i'd kind of stopped caring but like okay it, it had its its whole little you know self-contained story going on with the paladins and the death knights and the lich king and it was fun but it wasn't really that impactful and that's what really is is so exciting about cataclysm like okay if you if you really care about blood elves and i guess Burning Crusade was great, but what the hell's wrong with you? And if you were into the Scourge storylines, like, okay, Wrath of Lich King was really cool. Like, I, I love I the Scourge, the Scourge storylines, so there was some interest there for me. But if you give a crap about anything at all in Azeroth, Cataclysm means something. And that's really what's so exciting about this is Cataclysm is the first expansion or addition, anything to the game that just really means something to everyone. And I I'm getting really excited for this. And as you guys know, I couldn't have given 
less of a crap not that long ago. But the more this build up, I love my world events. The the original Scourge invasion is probably one of the highlights of my World of Warcraft life. Uh, I loved walking around that Argent Dawn tabard for years. People ask me where the hell I got it from. And it's just this is cool. This is what I like. This is why I played the game for so long. And that's what I mean. Like events like this. We haven't had one in so many years and to see such care and crafting put into it really restores my faith in this, you know, I mean, not that it was really that waning to begin with, but, you know, it's, it's a re it's almost like going back to your roots. The story of the games is really why I played it ever since the original Warcraft series and to see it move in a very epic scale. I mean, we've gone from killing boars to resurrecting gods to killing aspects of, you know, to killing gods and, and, and killing dragon aspects and, you know, rubbing elbows with the, the big wigs of Azeroth, you know, so to speak. And it's sort of this lovely progression that's starting to really get into this epic storytelling that I really enjoy. Next stop, the Zerg. Yes. <laughs> in 2012. We'll be playing Diablo by then. In 2012. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm ready for it. All right. With that, we are going to end our show tonight. By all means, uh, remember to stop by our site, check out our you know lovely reviews, uh, click on our stuff. And next week is episode 60. And you know what that means, folks? Oh. That means it's drunk tag time. So if you have an idea for an event you want us to pull or some shenanigans you want to have us afoot, feel free to email us or leave us a comment on the site on the forums. They are there for lovely public use. Let us know if you have any wonderful ideas. I'd like to hear it. Otherwise, you're going to get Roger really, really drunk, me really, really drunk, and, well, Vince will have two beers and be out cold. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> that, that hurts. That, that really hurts. That was below the belt. And since he's got very little there, that was a good aim. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, everybody, have a good night. See you next week. I'll tell you why I can't find you. Every time I go out to your place, you've gone fishing. Well, how you know? Somebody's been saving up his jokes for a couple weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did with me too on AIM. <laughs> He's been, he, I think he has a little flip pad. <laughs> He's, he wrote them all down. I, I, I used a lot of mine uh, heckling uh, medicine. <laughs> I did. I heckled Mexin. I heckled the shit out of him. It was awesome. Mexin? Metzen. You said Mexin. Whatever. Rune. Yeah. Rune. <laughs> Play it again. I said rune. I'm not the only one that heard it weird. I, I have oh, gotten confirmation. What was it? Weird? <laughs> Shall I play the outtakes but, again no, from no, you, my friend? The, the audience doesn't need to, to, to know these things. Yeah. Instead of just a wishing. Papa Bing, I'll stop by your place in time.